Hey, it's Garen here. Inflation keeps rising. There won't be a better time than right now to replace the roof following the storm damage. Let the Shamrock team treat you to a free inspection and will replace the damage with the best roof at the best price. One call does it all at shamrockroofer.com. This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. talking about the mental side of sports and looking forward to being with you today. I was on, I say I'm here every week, but last week I was on vacation and uh, we replayed an interview I had with Tommy Townsend and Harrison Bucker from about a year ago. And a great interview, two wonderful young men who obviously had incredible seasons, uh, Tommy being voted all-pro by everybody, and uh, Harrison overcoming a a, a really awful injury on the opening game of the year to come back. And, uh, you know, the last six games of the year, he was awesome. Yes, he missed a field goal in in the Super Bowl. The snap wasn't very good on that, and that was probably why he missed it, but Nonetheless, he came back and kicked the game winner. Kicked the game winner in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Not too bad. And the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. I had the privilege to be at that game. It was a wonderful experience. And this city, obviously, has been on a high for a while with that. And now you've got KU playing at the top of their game again. Kansas City spoiled. The Kansas City area. Now, of course, everybody in Kansas City isn't a KU fan, obviously. K-State, Missouri all kinds of other teams that are uh, fans here. But KU winning the national championship last year, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this year, uh, puts everybody on a high in the city. So I, w- I want to talk, you know, by – we've got – you know, Bill Self is the coach of KU, is already in the Hall of Fame, which is interesting. I don't know how somebody can still be coaching and be in the Hall of Fame, but both yesterday Bob Huggins and Bill Self coached against each other, both in the Hall uh, Naismith Hall of Fame basketball and then you've got Andy Reid, who will obviously go to the Hall of Fame with his accomplishments, which are far from being finished. So I want to talk about coaching today. As we start to get to the point where the basketball tournaments are all going to start at the collegiate and high school level, all the spring sports are just about ready to go, spring training starting, and all the high school spring sports are going to get going here in another week. I want to talk about coaching. What are the qualities 
of a good coach? What are the qualities of a bad coach? What what do you think as an athlete, as a parent, or as a coach, you feel are the qualities that make a coach successful or unsuccessful? You know, to me, obviously, if you haven't heard the show before, I'm in my 42nd year of work as a sports psychologist. I've been here on the radio 32 years the last 22 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And I've talked about this topic dozens and dozens of times. But I think the most important quality a coach needs to have is with their his or her communication skills. And that doesn't mean what they say. To me, it means what they what they hear. I feel great coaches, not just good coaches, but great coaches are excellent communicators, both in terms of saying what they want to say, but also in terms of listening. Because I think a really great coach takes the time to listen to their athletes, listen to their stressors, their needs, their goals, their wants, their fears. And, and knows how to push their buttons the right way. And I think a coach who isn't so good doesn't do that very well. The better coaches, I think, have, have the ability to motivate their athletes, to push the right buttons, to get them going. And they've got a, a good relationship with their athletes in the sense that they know sometimes how hard to push them maybe how to how to motivate them, but also at the same time, know when they have to back off. All right, Kyle's my producer. He's here every week, does a great job. Let me get your thoughts on that. Kyle, what do you what do you think? I mean, you played sports growing up. You're 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 not done growing up yet still. <laughs> but uh, believe me, when you get to be my age at sixty eight, you're done growing up, you're growing down. You, you t- <laughs> everything starts to go down. But um from your perspective playing sports did you have any coaches you could say were great coaches? Maybe that some that weren't so good. I definitely did, and I think you're absolutely right about coaches who listen to their players. Um, you know, let them let them complain when something's not going their way, and then take that opportunity to to teach that young kid, you know, what went wrong there and how you can fix it. It's not just the coach talking at the players; it's a back and forth. I think that's very important. You know. My sons are now 33 and almost 32. I've shared about their their growth throughout my career on the radio. My older son, Jonathan, played basketball and soccer, baseball growing up. Now he plays golf. He's gotten really good at it, a heck of a lot better than his old man. And my younger son, Gregory, swam until his senior year in college, swam at the Kansas City Blazers swim program, which at the time was perhaps the, the the best club program swimming program in the country. We had eight Olympians, five gold medalists on that team throughout the years. Coached by Peter D. Malone, co-author with Jeff Montgomery of our book, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes to Youth Sports. And what I noticed, watch, just watching my kids growing up, who are, like I said, now in their early 30s, was that the coaches they had who were were positive impacts on their lives were, were really good at understanding how to motivate these kids. Not just my sons, but the other kids that play in the teams. And they were able to, to, to 
see when it, when an athlete was struggling or frustrated or angry or ticked off, whatever you were pissed off, whatever you want term you want to use, how to pull them back. Um, what I've seen throughout my career, and with so many of the of the clients that I've worked with in forty two years, is the ones who have coaches who they've respected and they've liked, felt that the coaches cared about them as a person, first of all. Forget being an athlete. They cared about them as a person, and they tried to push them and challenge them to do things they could do, not to push them to do things they couldn't. I've had, gosh, probably hundreds of kids come in my office, and I'd say kids up to prof- – I've had professional – I've had pro athletes that I work with who've had coaches who don't get it with them. They get extremely frustrated uh, because the coach you know, doesn't understand how to motivate them. And so my response to them, every single one, no matter what age or level they are, you need to have a private meeting with your coach. You need to sit down and talk with your coach, go in with a list of questions written down, whether on your, on your phone or on a piece of paper, so you don't forget what you want to ask them. And say, here's where I'm having some problems. Here's where I'm frustrated. Here's where, coach, I need to talk to you about this. And what I found is good coaches will take the time to hear that and work with them on that. Now, I'm going to give an example. I'm not going to name this person's name. He happens to be under investigation by Safe Sport right now. He's a coach in the Kansas City community who years ago I had an athlete that this, this individual coached. She had an injury. He didn't believe she was injured. Thought she was faking it. And the parents basically said, look, you need to go in and have a meeting with Dr. Jacobs with our daughter. If you don't, we're leaving. So finally he came in and to put it bluntly, he just BS'd me the whole time I was there. You know, agreed with all these things. And they went back to practice the next day. And he, he basically threatened her if she ever came back into my office again, she was gone. Well, she left. She, she moved to Arizona to train. And uh, this this individual now is in, in under investigation by the Safe Sport organization uh, for apparently av- abusive situations with athletes. He's had two young girls that have died that he coached over the years. Well noted uh, for things that happened there. And I I think this individual, like I said, I'm not going to get into naming him, but I don't think you should be coaching. Okay, in these situations, and you've got complaints made about him about verbal and maybe even physical abuse i don't know what the the complaints are i haven't seen them but i read an interesting story i was asked to be interviewed by the reporter and i denied to do it because i haven't been involved with this individual for a long time in my opinion he shouldn't be coaching now that's because i mean you've you've got physical and emotional complaints being made now that's why, to me, a good coach needs to be a good psych. They, they need to be a good psychologist. They need to understand the buttons to push, but when to back off. And that's where I think the communication skills need to be there between coach and athlete. So I want to open up the phone lines and get your thoughts. Our phone number here is 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, what do you feel positive qualities you should have are when you're working with athletes, and what do you think some negative qualities you, you have or I've had that have harmed your coaching skills and, and abilities with the athletes you work with? If you're a parent, what are you looking for in a coach with your son or daughter? 
what are the qualities you want to see in a coach in terms of motivating them, pushing them, but also understanding them? And if you're an athlete, you've had a coach you, you would like to talk about on the show. I'd love to hear from you as well, positively or negatively. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. As you know, I'm here every week, 7 to 8 Sunday mornings on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And the show is for your listeners. And I try to bring up topics that I think are important to get into discussions about. Because, you know, we, like I said, you know, I've watched – Obviously, I used I, if you know, I used to be KU sports psychologist back in the 80s. I worked with almost all the teams up there. I worked with the basketball team when Larry Brown was there. And I love the way Bill Self coaches because he gets into it, but he I've never met him. But I admire him immensely because I think he understands the buttons to push with his kids. And he understands how to challenge them. Same thing with Andy Reid. If you li- listen to... Of course, you know, here's the thing. In, in the public, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, when a coach gets ticked off and angry or when they're upset or when they're they're happy. You don't, you don't know all that stuff because it's in the locker room and it should be there. It should stay there. But I think really good coaches also have good assistants. They have good people working with them to help them. So if, if you're the head coach or the, head, the manager or whatever, and maybe you're starting to get a little bit out of control. An assistant would be the person who he or she might be who can help calm you down. That's where having a good staff is important. And I know with many of the teams, you know, I'll tell you, when I worked for the Royals back in 1990 with John Wathen as the manager, we had some great coaches, Frank Funk, Adrian Garrett, Bob McClure. And once again, when I worked with the Royals, with, when Trey Hillman was there, same thing. We had some wonderful guys working with him. And I think good managers have good assistants. KU, when I was there with Larry Brown, Larry Brown's assistant, it's interesting. Larry Brown's assistants when I was there were Ed Manning, Danny's dad. And Danny wasn't there the first year I was there. Bob Hill, who went on the coach in the NBA for a number of years. R.C. Buford was a grad assistant who's the general manager of the Spurs, and you see what they've done over the years. And then there was another guy named John Calipari, who I spent hours and hours with okay that that was the staff with that team think about those guys you know and and what do you think they learned from all those guys so so good coaches have good people to back them up so i'd like to get some calls in here if you're a coach i'd like to hear from you what you feel positive qualities you have are or maybe if you're a coach and you've got some issues in terms of how you motivate or challenge your athletes i'd like to hear from you 913 3810810 is our number. If you're an athlete and you have a coach that you have had issues with or you think doesn't understand you, what do you do about that? You know, most athletes are scared to talk to coaches. They're scared to go in and have a one-on-one because they're fearful of what the coach might say. And I know a lot of parents want to go talk to coaches, but a lot of coaches don't want the parents to talk to them. They want the kids to, which I understand. Now, there's a point in age, as I've shared forever on this show, that I think is the right time for parents to get involved. I think it's fine for parents to get involved up to, say, eighth or ninth grade. And I think at that point, the kids should take the initiative. But if things don't work out, then the parents should get involved. I've got all these young kids I'm working with 
who have problems with coaches. And the one consistent advice that I seem to give everybody, you need to have a one-on-one meeting. But a lot of people are scared to go meet with their coach. A, they maybe they don't want to hear what the coach is going to say. And B, a lot of them don't think the coach listens to them. So the athlete-coach communication is such a big issue here. So we'll go to our first break. Let's even get some calls in here. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, and I know I get emails and text messages, messages all week long from, from people. If you're a coach and you're having trouble motivating your athletes, maybe an individual athlete or maybe the whole team, give me a call. Let's talk about see what can be done. If you're an athlete and you've had a coach who you think didn't understand you, why was that? If you had an athlete you think did understand you, what was that about? I don't care what the level. I don't care if you're male or female, boys, girls, doesn't matter. I'd like to hear from you on that. And if you're a parent and your son or daughter has a coach that maybe you don't like the way they're challenging or pushing your kids, what do you do about it? All right, 913 913- Three eight ten eight ten is our phone number. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. On sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, give me a call. And let's talk. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Hello again, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station. Sports Radio 810 WHB here in Kansas City. I'm here every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this. Coaching. What are the qualities of a good coach? What are the aspects, attributes a good coach has? And what are the same negative qualities that a coach may have? So we get some calls in here. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. Once again, Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. If you're if you, if you're a coach, what do you feel allows you to be successful in terms of your communication skills with the athletes you work with? At the same time, if you've had some issues, some trouble, what have those been? We always I always like it when people call in who are brave enough to talk about things when they've screwed up, why they screwed up, what happened, and what they learned from it. Nine one three. Three eight ten eight ten is the number. If you're an athlete, what are you looking for in a coach? For you, you know. Throughout my career, I've had many athletes who will tell me, "Listen, Doc, I want somebody to push me. I want them to challenge me. I want to. I want them to try to get the most out of me to see what I can do." Then I have a lot of athletes who will tell me their coaches go too far. In terms of trying to motivate them or push them, they go too far to the point that it becomes insulting, it becomes degrading, it becomes negative. So what's that fine line in there? If you're a coach, what is that? How do you how do you understand that in terms of motivation, yet at the same time in terms of fear? There's that word fear, okay? For so many athletes, fear becomes the biggest obstacle. You know, we talk, I talk about forever what I call the four keys to success, preparation, focus, attitude, confidence. Preparation is about how you get ready. 
in all aspects, mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally? What are the things you do to get prepared to play, to compete? Focus is about what you're concentrating on and what are the distractions that get in the way either physically or internally, physically, externally. What are the things going on externally that can distract you, teammates, crowd, people, or internally what you're thinking about? I have so many high school kids that talk to me about worrying about playing or competing and knowing that there might be coaches in the stands, college coaches in the stands coming to watch them play. They get so focused on the coaches, they forget what they're doing. And that becomes a distraction. Then there's attitude. You can have a positive, negative, or realistic attitude. I always talk about a positive, realistic attitude. You want to be upbeat and positive, but you've got to be realistic in terms of what you can or can't do. And then the, the foundation of all that's confidence. The ability to believe in yourself the ability to believe in your skills, your talents. But here's one thing about confidence that I find great coaches are able to do. They're able to challenge their athletes to build and develop their confidence without the fear of, of hurting them. I once had a very prominent NCAA coach, basketball coach, uh, who was accused of a lot of verbal abuse and physical abuse by his team come work with me and we spent a whole day together and it was interesting because at the end of the session he got angry about something I asked him and then I pointed out to him and I said look that's part of the problem when you get confronted by something you get angry and then he took a step back and he goes, you know what, well, you're right, Doc. He goes, that, that's my problem. That's what everybody tells me. I keep getting all pissed off at my athletes when I when I they, they try to say something to me. I said, well, that's why I think the listening aspect of being a coach is so important. I mean, you're in charge. You've got to, you know, set the rules and guidelines. But you also have to understand when things go too far that you need to back down. And that's where I think the assistant coaches he had weren't doing a very good job with him, which is why some of this stuff got out of hand. All right, once again, our phone number here is 913-3810810. Nobody's called in. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. What do you feel positive qualities that you have are that allow you to, to do well or be successful? At the same time, if you have not been done as well as you want, as a coach, skill-wise, what do you think the rationale for that is. And as an athlete, what do you what do you want from your coach? What do you want in terms of motivation, in terms of challenge, in terms of pushing you? At the same time, have you ever had a coach who maybe has gone too far? Who you feel has pushed you past your limit to where the frustration starts to enter? Nine one three three eight ten eight tens are numbered. I'd like to hear from you once again. Nobody's called in today. I know this is an issue a lot of people have, so I'd like to find out from you and get your thoughts. So, Carl, let me ask you. You you played on all these different teams growing up. Yeah, I'm sure you had a coach, maybe not necessarily with you, but with teammates, wasn't the most positive person, right? Uh yeah, I think so hundred percent. I I was lucky enough in my personal young athletic career that I never had a coach that I disliked. Um, What's wrong with you? 
Well, well, okay, but there's. there's I got okay, lucky. You're, you're, I got lucky. That's all I'm saying. You seem to be a really good guy. You've been you've been here just just a short while doing the show, and you do a great job with it. A lot of that's probably because of who you are and the way you were raised. Okay, you seem like somebody who's, who's probably a really good listener, a respectful. Okay, and I think that's what coaches want to have in athletes. So I'm sure you had some people on your teams that weren't. Yes. Definitely. Okay. So, um, so what happened? How did the coaches coach them? How did they deal with that, or did that become a real problem? You know, in baseball, it's huge when it's huge. It's huge to have you know a short memory in baseball. And I definitely had some teammates growing up who strike out an error made in the infield. You know, their body language just their shoulders start sagging. Their heads always looking at the ground. Next thing you know, the ball is going to come at them. They're going to compound that mistake and just keep adding on. Coaches that can, my baseball coach when we were young, if a teammate of mine, their head wasn't in it because they had already made some mistakes, he was very good at just taking them aside, calming them down, having a quiet, quick, quiet, one-on-one conversation to get that player's head back in the game. Instead, excuse me, instead of pulling them out of the game, yelling at them, and getting angry at them. Yeah, not yelling at them from the dugout for the entire crowd to hear. Um, yeah, because I've shared the story of a young lady I've worked with. I've had lots of them, but there's one specific one that comes to my mind who was playing first base on her softball team, which is between 8th and ninth grade. Had gotten two. She was the best hitter on the team, had two hits, and then made an error at first base. Ball went between her legs. The coach... Kicked the bucket he was sitting on, pulled her out of the game, made her sit at the end of the bench. She's crying, and he just glared at her. All right, and the parents then the next day, the the, the dad, great parents, didn't do anything, you know, went down to make sure she was okay, which she wasn't, but, you know, they, they left her alone. Weren't going to get into it with the coach, but then after the game, went to the coach after the game was over, said, listen, I'd like to get a cup of coffee with you tomorrow. And the coach's like, okay. And the dad said, look, I'm just going to be really upfront with you. You know, you're, you're, you're the coach. It's your choice to do what you want to do. But I think what you did with my daughter was wrong. And it's not going to happen again. You know, if she makes a mistake, you know, you want to you take her out of the game. That's your choice. But don't – he cursed at her and glared at her like that. And then blame the loss on her. You're not going to do that, or we're not going to be here. Yeah, you know, I, you're not going to do. You know, my daughter is not perfect. And and to this coaches, you know, give, give him some credit. His credit, he apologized. Apologized to the girl, and you know, there weren't many games left, but he didn't do that again. But I think I think that's what that's what makes a good coach, Kyle. It's 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 a coach who is willing to look at their strengths and weaknesses and not let their weaknesses overcome that they're willing to grow from them. I mean, what, do you remember anything specific when you played, like you said, where, where maybe a coach got got upset at somebody? Yes. I'll go back to my, my baseball days again. Um, you know, early morning game, tournament game on the weekend, you know, we drive out to Paola. For an 8 o'clock game yeah, or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. And uh, our heads aren't in it. And how old were you? I want to say I was 
14, 15. Okay. So I'm getting close to my, uh, getting close to playing high school ball. So we're a pretty competitive team. Our coach is prepared. He was a high school varsity coach and he's preparing us for that next level. And he did not want to tolerate any, you know, zero effort play. Your head's not in the game. We're here to win and we're here to get better. So if he if he notices that your head's not in it, he's going to let you know about it. He's going to, again, he'll pull you aside. He's not going to make a scene like that coach did kicking that bucket. How's that going to help that kid? It's not going to. But, yeah, it's just the, the, the little one-on-one, hey, I know you're better than this. Let's get locked in. You can do better than that, right? Um, that's that's just the best example I have. Well, and that and that's the thing. I, I think can coaches do coaches have the right to get angry and frustrated? Yeah, of course they do. They're people. When they you you train and train your team or you go through certain plays and then they're done wrong, you've got the right to get upset. But but then again, how do you handle that and communicate that with the team? Work through that with the team and go on to the next next play. You know, I, I think one of the most important aspects of being a good coach, I would say this is a good coach checks his or her ego at the door. It's not about the coach, it's about the team. Now, it doesn't mean the coach doesn't have the right to get upset or frustrated or whatever, but it's about the ability to keep your own emotions in check and not to let that carry over. You know, with with the team. that's one thing. You know, I watch Chiefs games. I, I've seen Andy Reid probably a handful of times in, in the years he's been here get frustrated with a player during a game. But it's a brief encounter, and then it's over. I've never seen him throw clipboards or kick stuff around. I mean, the angriest I saw him, and I've go to all the Chiefs games. Watch him with one of the referee referees. Of course, that's easy to get angry at them, but. uh Got frustrated at that and really got heated on a bad on a play that was definitely a bad call. But then what you see with him is he moves on. Yeah, you know, and then you don't have you don't have him carrying that over to the next you know the next plays. And I think that's those are the aspects of, of great coaches. They've got the ability to move on from that type of stuff. All right, our phone number here is nine one three three eight ten eight ten. Like I said, nobody's called an interesting. This is a topic I think we'd have a lot of calls about. If you are a coach, what are the qualities or aspects of your coaching style that allow you to be successful? At the same time, if you have coached before and things haven't gone well, why? Maybe for, for some of the things you did or, or challenged your athletes with. If you're a parent, what are you what are you looking for in a coach? When you when your son or let, let's say your son or daughter is playing middle school or high school, and the coach is at the school, that's who's coaching them. It's not like a youth sport team where you can pick the team you want to be on, but that's the school. And then this, you don't like you as a parent, you don't like the way your the coach is dealing with your child. What do you do? You know, that's I get that all the time from from parents doc what am i supposed to do now if it's if it's an abusive situation no what what's the difference between mental toughness and mental abuse i've done this show before mental toughness 
is pushing yourself to try to go to your your limits to to your the, the top level you can go. Mental abuse is taking it too far to where the things you say not obviously physical abuse is very clear what that is, but verbal abuse is where you've gone too far and then you see how your athlete's confidence goes down because I think good as I said good coaches are good psychologists they understand how far to push their athletes they understand how much they can say to them and challenge them to do but they also know when they have to back down so if you if you have coached before have you ever maybe pushed an athlete too far and had if if you did did you recognize that what you do that's a that's a good question to bring out there you know if you coach what do you think you have to understand most about the athletes you coach? Is it their fears? Is it what motivates them? Is it the, their confidence level? Or do you feel, you know, is, is it that whole toughness thing? Oh, we've got to be tough. We've got to be hard. You know, back in, in the 60s and 70s, with you know, we go back to Bobby Knight, Woody Hayes, Bo Schembechler days, those days when, you know, coaches just, just go, on these tirades, that doesn't work. You know that that can work for some people. There's no question that can work for some people as long as you know how far you can go. But when you go too far, that's when the issues come up. All right. Once again, we're going to go to break here in a second. I'd like to get some calls in here today. No one's called in. Interestingly, this is the topic I thought we'd have a lot of calls on. If you're a coach. What do you need to do from a motivational standpoint with your athletes? And have you ever gone too far pushing your athletes? If you're, if you're an athlete, have you ever had a coach who went too far emotionally with you? What happened and why? 913-3810-810 is the number. And if, if you are a parent, you have a son or daughter who plays sports and you don't like the coach, you don't like the way the coach is dealing with your son or daughter, how do you handle that? Do you speak to them? Do you let your kids do it? What do you feel the best way to work through that issue is? 913-3810-810 is the number. On Sports Psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, give me a call and let's talk. We're on Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm here every Sunday from 7 to 8 talk about the mental side of sports. And today's topic has been this. What are the qualities of a good coach, a bad coach? If, if you've had a coach who you liked, why did you like him? If you had a coach you didn't like, why? And if you're a coach, what do you think you need to do to be the best coach you can be. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. And let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Dan. Dan, thanks for calling. How are you this morning? Doing pretty good. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I, uh, I know I'm i down in Georgia now, but I call, I listen to the station to for the Chiefs and the Jayhawks coverage. But listening to you, I just kind of wanted to, from the athlete perspective, wanted to, cover a positive example and and a kind of a negative and uh from the positive side i grew up being a 
competitive bowler. And one thing that was really helpful was I knew the expertise of the coach and the experience, having been a successful collegiate bowler and having some professional experience and just trying to get that across to us. It just was such a positive experience. He was just trying to pass on to us the positive that he knew and, and that we could you know, apply to our game. And I went on not to play collegiately, but a lot of the kids I was around did. But I went to the same town where a lot of this, this big college program was and was able to compete with those kids as and the scratch leagues and um, get some of the advanced stuff like they were learning, like the biofeedback. But uh, a lot of that, the biofeedback type stuff, I actually apply in my golf <laughs> now. Really? Just to be not too high, not too low, you know, just kind of be on an, an even keel. So it's kind of interesting. And just not the dealing with the pressure, you know, trying to strike out and things like that. Let me let me um, ask let me ask you. First of all, you're calling from Georgia? Yep. Uh huh. Oh well thank you very much for, for listening down there. I appreciate that. So you say biofeedback, so learning about relaxation and, and muscle tension, that's what that does. Relaxation, a lot of that stuff, right. Right, yeah, because I have I have exercises on my website I use. They're called Twenty Minutes of Athletic Success. I actually have one specifically for bowling, actually, and mm-hmm. we use those and help people just just learn to understand the difference between that tension and relaxation. So you say that helped you. So tell us about this coach that you had. Well, he he was in the you know, big college program as an athlete. And he came back to my hometown and was running the bowling pro shop and kind of volunteered to help us that were in the travel league, the scratch, not quite scratch, but, you know, upper level kids and just share some of his knowledge. And it was kind of cool to just get a, an idea. And it, it did lead, like I said, to some of our kids going on to, um, you know, participate in collegiate bowling. Well, that's great. So he he was able to help you guys in a positive way, is what you're saying? Right. Yep. Yep. He just he he just kind of, and that's where the golf side. I, I just grew up golfing, but I think he could see things and and suggest what we were capable of digesting, <laughs> as opposed to just. Um, trying to just break us down and rebuild us from scratch. He'd try to kind of refine what you were doing and work with you because everybody's physique is different. That's the thing about athletics I've seen, too, is nobody typically, unless they're like a perfect physical specimen, (laughs) necessarily fits the mold as far as swing mechanics or bowling swing mechanics. Right. Right. Now what about what about negative coaching? That's more on the golf side and that was like I was saying I I I've golfed from a young age, you know, not really well, but at some point I'd play enough that I got down to single digit and just one You're talking about your well. handicap. What's that? Yeah, uh-huh. And you know, break 80 occasionally, but but that was when I was playing all the time. And then I think I'd have a lesson here and there, just a group lesson or something. And 
and they'd see things that they basically would want me to stop and just go back to scratch and rebuild everything and I was having some success so I just that turned me off from the golf coaching and one one time I won a lesson a free lesson from a guy and he pretty much did that but he did it in a way where he was suggesting things and he said why don't we try this why don't we try that and it it did change a lot of things but but it was where I was willing to hear him and and actually try it and I had some success and since then as I try things mostly you know on my own I have a more willingness to practice myself and you know uh build some positive experience and and just try things and and just take it out there on the course um but yeah just it, it, I think it's just a lot of it to me is about diag- you know listening like you're saying to the athlete and what their needs are and and knowing them well enough that and to make suggestions to where they can accept it. Yeah, I, I think, like I've said earlier, g- good coaches take the time to understand their athletes, how to motivate them, how to push them. At the same time, also, they they understand where's the point where you can go too far. Yeah. And, and so that's where it becomes important, I think, to, to, to really understand, you know, barriers and obstacles from that perspective. Listen, I really appreciate you calling in, Dan, from Georgia. That's great. I Hope you listen regularly to the show. Our shows are podcasted also on my website if you ever miss any. But I appreciate the call and great comments this morning. Yeah, thanks. Have a great day. You know, that's interesting. When you get a call all the way from Georgia, it just goes to show you how these shows are, you know, today in modern technology, everybody can listen all over the place with the Internet, things like that. But here's the thing. I, I think... When you look at coaching, you know, you want a coach who's on your side. You want a coach who's going to challenge you. You want a coach who's going to push you. But you want a coach who's going to take the time to understand you. And coaches are people. They're not any different than you and me. They're, they're, I mean, they may make a lot more money if they're a professional coach than all of us. But they're people. And they understand what's going on with themselves first and foremost if they're a good coach. If they don't, their ego gets involved and then their frustrations come out and that's when I think all these issues pop up. And that's why when you when you think back into your athletic career when you, you the coaches you had who coached you positively, they left a, a good impact on you in the sense that you learned something. You grew. And then the ones that don't, I think what happens is that they say something or do something that bothers you. They don't understand that they've done that. You don't say anything to them, and then that problem gets worse. So that's why I, I talk about communication. I talk about the importance of communicating. I talk about the importance you know, of, of good coaches taking the time. A good coach is a good psychologist. They have to understand how to push and challenge your athlete. They have to understand the motivations, the frustrations, the stressors, all these things. And good athletes take, good, excuse me, good coaches 
take the time to do that. I mean, Kyle, you've had a bunch of good coaches. What would you say were some of the aspects or attributes about them that allowed that to happen for you? Because you you had a really good positive experience playing sports. They understood how their actions were perceived and received by their players. They understood that if they acted out or wrong at any moment, that all they had to do was come talk to the team, coach the player, be, guys, I, I messed up. I'm better than that, and we can all be better than that, right? Um, I I think it really is, you know, I think you started at the beginning of the show. You said it's somebody who coaches the person before the player. Uh, they understand them as a person, and then that just creates opportunities for growth. Well, I think when you listen to interviews with players on teams that have done well, you'll hear that a lot. Yeah. And when you listen to interviews with players on teams that haven't done well, you don't hear that. Mm-hmm. You'll hear the negativity. You'll hear the frustration. You'll hear how the coaches were debilitating or degrading or negative. And that's fine to be that way. You know, if things aren't going well, you got to point out the truth. You can't sit there and sugarcoat it. Right. But at the same time, if it's not going well, and as the leader, you, you've you got to motivate them to get upset and angry. Just That just doesn't cut it. Yeah. And I found when you get that way, it gets really, really frustrating for the players as well as the coaches. Another thing you said at the beginning of the show was good coaches, they check their ego at the door. Uh, a great NFL example would be last year with Urban Meyer in the Jacksonville Jaguars. There were reports that he would walk around that building like he's been coaching the NFL for 50 years and he's got rings on his fingers. No, he didn't have any of that. But he did walk around like, you guys are beneath me. Well, he also kicked their punter. That's right. I mean, just... I mean, why, then, what's, why would you do that? Why would you... I mean, I doubt that he hurt him. He, but He acted like a tyrant. Like, yeah. he went around there like, this is his law. <laughs> well, but it's interesting. So, that just as an observer from the outside looking at that, he gets fired. Doug Peterson takes over and takes him to the playoffs. Right. You know, obviously there's there's personnel changes, but they had a lot of the same players there. What's the difference? Coaching. You know, coaching. Motivation, listening, communicating, and understanding. I mean, that, that that's a great example because... Yeah, Urban Meyer did not do a good job there, obviously. That's been factually uh, discussed. And Doug Peterson did a great job. He won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia, obviously a great coach, another Andy Reid disciple. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hope you like the shows we talk about, the topics we talk about on this show. Our shows are podcasted everywhere, especially on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DRJ Sports Psych and know this. This show is about you. It's about helping you out with the issues in sports from a mental aspect. It's one of the few shows around. I've been this longer than anybody in the country, Sports Psychology Show. So I'd love to hear from you. Get your thoughts. Get your comments. Emails. I've had several emails this past week while I've been on vacation. I'm going to respond to this week who have interesting topics they'd like to bring up for, for discussion. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio, 810 WHP.